Wellness Wednesday is in full effect, and that means we get the full effect and the full attention of Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic, also from a great website called Longevity Playbook. The longevityplaybook.com website is where you need to go. We're all working on getting younger and then living longer, and it's all there, and new stuff every week, and he's we're here with us right now. Dr. Rose, I can't get my mouth working today. I apologize. No problem. I did do what we said. I followed up on that story about the new molecule out of the Bark Institute that regenerates mitochondria. It turns out it's still in uh, worms and mice, so it hasn't progressed beyond that, um, but does give the worms and the mice the energy, the old worms and the old mice, the energy they had when they were younger, because it regenerates mitochondria that have damaged products and aren't producing enough energy. It recycles them into new products so that it, they work to regenerate energy much more efficiently. But the highest species it's gotten to is mice. And how many species do we have to get through before we get to people? Well, you usually get one more species in animals. Then you do a bunch of testing to make sure, one, it doesn't have toxicity in the animals. And uh, secondly, um, that in the animal models, it has a normal metabolism. It has a metabolism and a way of getting out of your body as well as in your body. And they study uh, doses, if you will, in that. So... That's usually about a two-year process Hmm. in animals after they've shown that it works in the second species, which they're working on now. Uh, The worms don't count as a species usually in these research, so it has to be two animal species. And then it it does three phases of human testing. So we're still a few years away, but there's promising research data in the animal testing, specifically on the mice and the worms, as you mentioned. But we, uh, we won't be getting a magic bullet for our mitochondria anytime in the near future. So we got to work on getting ourselves healthier and younger with the longevity playbook thinking. Exactly. Okay. I understand. Now, one of the things that you can do is eat better. And one of the top things on your list this week of research stories is the mind diet. And I was not aware of the mind diet, but I think I'm kind of a mind diet guy. Doc, has this been around long? It's probably been around about 10 years. It was developed out of the University of Illinois aging studies where they took the Mediterranean diet and modified it so that it would be better for Um, what they thought would be better for the mind. So what do they mean? What do we mean by that? Well, the main change is the fruits and vegetables they concentrate on are green leafy vegetables. So they make sure you get um, the green leafy vegetables that have been shown to be associated with uh, living longer and younger. And so that's been a, that's one of the major foci. A second is to reduce the amount of alcohol you have as alcohol. 
does inhibit brain function and, and in larger doses, and especially in the elderly, can cause um, brain cell toxicity, neuron toxicity, meaning killing neurons. Then they eliminate, as the Mediterranean diet does, almost all sugars, all syrups, and all simple carbohydrates. So any carbohydrate is complex, which is very common in the Mediterranean diet as well. It's not a difficult thing to get into, people. I, I was looking at the recommendations. You know, the, you talked about the leafy green vegetables. You want six servings a week. That's easy. You have vegetables every day. And they got blueberries in there. There's salmon in there. There's nuts in there. All these things that are meant to make your brain healthier, Doc, that you've been talking about for a long time. So if anyone's right. worried about that, uh, ch- check out the MIND diet. It's not necessarily a weight loss diet. But it is uh, good for cognitive health. Weight loss is about calorie intake, so that's a different thing. Doc, Let uh, me go a little more on that study because the study was a comparison of the MIND diet versus the usual diet that people are on with a little reduction in calories. The reason they reduced the calories for those people, one is all were um, in the obese range. And we're 65 to 85 with another medical problem, either hypertension or diabetes or multiple medical problems. And they studied this group. They did this because they wanted to see whether the MIND diet would help prevent dementia. Now, both groups lost weight. And the interesting thing is very few in either group over that period of time, it was a six-year study period, developed dementia. And in addition, both groups lost weight and both groups had increased mental function on average and they said was related to the weight loss. So the point they came out with at the end of the study was, although the MIND diet was better at cognitive function for every characteristic, the key benefit that everyone got was from weight loss hmm. and fat loss. So the key point is uh, losing a few calories um, a day out of your diet may be something that is really, really good for your brain. So that's great news, Dr. Roizen. Now. Doc, I was saying as a kid, my mother used to yell at us for being too close to the TV. You know, you kids are going to go blind. You can't be looking at that idiot box. Move away from the TV. And it feels like that argument is now continuing with screen time and kids and mental health. Yeah, this actually was done in China in, I think it was 22,000 children. And they looked at screen time by measuring the time they used their cell phone Mm -hmm. to watch the screen. And they measured the time they looked at educational programs, entertainment programs, and did social media. It turned out that, you know, they have a a law that you're not allowed to let kids watch screens more than an hour a day. And so they studied how many kids looked at it more than an hour a day and what happened to their mental health, meaning did they develop behavioral problems by age six? And this started at age three. It turned out that 
say that if you watch the screen more than an hour a day, um, that it increased your mental and behavioral problems threefold. That is, it went from 4% to 12%, a huge jump. Hmm. And if you kept under an hour a day and just did educational programs, that decreased your risk of mental problems by a quarter. So it went down to 3%. So the key point is, if your child is between three and six, the least screen time and keep it under an hour a day is better and that educational programs are better than anything else. But the key was the time of watching, get it, keeping it under that hour a day. Yeah, and those brains aren't formed completely until the kids are in their 20s, right? Well, women around age 18, men around age 21, that's correct. Wow. So pay attention to the kids, especially the littlest of them. Too much screen time, not a good thing. Uh, Doc, we, have, we talked about cell phones, and we talked about keeping cell phones around us. Uh, I, I've heard stories about cell phone damaging our brains with all the the uh, waves that they send out, but uh, mobile phone use tied to uh, lower sperm counts? This is actually a good story. Do you remember the era of the flip phone from 2000 to 2007? Yes, of course. Well, it turns out those flip phones were associated with a 50% reduction in both sperm count and concentration in men 18 to 22. On the other hand, the cell phones since 2007 have no reduction in sperm count or sperm concentration. So maybe we'll see a increase in fertility rates going forward. That's one of the world's problems, but it was a problem of the flip phone era, not of the current era. Apparently, the flip phone had to use much more energy to be able to receive and send hmm. than the current era. That's fascinating. That, but that's also good news, as you mentioned. That's good stuff. Doc, I, I'm one of the people who's dubious about recreational pot use, even though in my unsupervised days in college, I may have experimented, you know, on occasion. But cannabis use now is possibly causing uh, mental problems, psychiatric problems, especially with our veterans? Yeah, so this is a confession I often make. Um, I didn't smoke, but I did inhale. That <laughs> is, I went to UC San Francisco as a medical student, and in the summer of love, every Sunday for four hours, there were free concerts in the Golden Gate Meadow at the Golden Gate Park. And you knew there was a waif of yellow above you in that meadow. So when we were reading medical textbooks, we were probably inhaling some cannabis. But in very low doses, it appears to be good for memory functioning when done occasionally. But this isn't that study. This is a story about what happens to the veterans who go and do recreational marijuana. And it turns out about 20% of them, and especially those with 
mental dysfunction issues, meaning psychiatric problems of schizophrenia or um, attention deficit disorder or bipolar disorder, etc. It turns out that those people get addicted and get cannabis use disorder to a much higher degree. Hmm. Over 50% of them get addicted to cannabis and can't get off of it and get what we call cannabis use disorder and lose functioning in society because of it. So the recreational marijuana appears to be very problematic for people with otherwise with um, mental health issues. So it may exacerbate other mental health issues? It wasn't known whether it would exacerbate those issues. It wasn't described in the article. What was described is they developed another, if you will, problem, Hmm. an addiction to marijuana so great as they couldn't function. Oh, that's not good. Be careful, people. Unlike Dr. Royce and I wasn't reading medical textbooks. I was actually uh, a... uh, a first-level user, doctor, and no more. It's been like 40-plus years since I... So you were one, So you have one who, if you were in San Francisco at that time, might have been contributing to that yellow haze above us. I would have been the cause of your contact high, maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'll ring the truth bell on that. And then uh, with, with that... I have to wrap up our session this week. Dr. Michael Roizen is our regular weekly guest talking about your ability to make yourself younger and live longer. And it's all tied to longevityplaybook.com. You should go there. You should go there today. And you should also follow Dr. Roizen on Twitter. Great stuff on Twitter as always, Doc, and great stuff here today. Thank you, my friend. My privilege. Thank you.